Hi, folks. Thanks to an engineering error, my audio on this episode was recorded on the wrong mic. If you're wondering why it sounds like your old external speakers trapped under an inverted fishbowl, the problem isn't you. If you're a first-time listener and would prefer something where my audio is richer and fuller like this, please pick literally any other episode from Season 2 onward. For those who have been with us for the long haul and for whom trying another episode is no longer an option, you have my apologies. Obviously, this isn't up to our normal standards. The bad news is that next week's episode will feature the same problem. The good news is that, after that, knock wood, we're done. Thank you for your patience. Thanks. For what? Get me back out of here. Don't thank me yet. funny because it's true welcome back to quaid in full the podcast with all the fox to give about actor dennis quaid i'm darwin award nominated second grader sarah d bunting and i'm here with a credible double of jeb lund job land hello job hi um i'm just gonna carry you to safety i'm not gonna worry about where your parents are (laughs) that's always a good move welcome back listener today we are contemplating 2008's vantage point don't remember this one Hmm. Uh, I didn't either. (laughs) And that's because it's completely forgettable. Uh, Unless we have any pod business, I'll just jump into the plot summary. Please do. Vantage Point was released in February of 2008 to an utter and appropriate lack of fanfare. It is loglined, quote, eight strangers, eight points of view, one truth. But that's not quite accurate. Vantage Point concerns a multi-pronged assassination attempt on an American president as seen from multiple perspectives. A global news network truck, a secret service agent with PTSD, the president himself, or is it? Spoiler, it is and it isn't. Various terrorist plotters, a couple of them involuntary. All of this takes place in a Spanish plaza, but because Vantage Point is a what if in the line of fire plus Dave equaled 33 and one third short films about Dennis Quaid's character having the adrenaline trots cocktail napkin thought experiment, more than it is a story, it doesn't really have any point of view. And the one truth is that it doesn't work. Framing device special effects are tricksy and inconsistent. Extreme close-ups of the actors murmuring, oh my god, followed by a cutaway to an explosion sequence that, for at least this viewer, mashed the sensory trauma button of 9-11 without having earned the privilege. Laughably blocky exposition about global politics that does nothing to create tension and that even pros like Sigourney Weaver and James LaGrosse have difficulty putting over, as in clip two. It wasn't until this morning that we received the threat. You talked to the Joint Chiefs, what do they recommend? That we go after their leadership. You're in Spain? Morocco. We have a satellite lock on one of their camps there. You want me to call in a strike on a friendly Arab nation? They're harboring terrorists. They're harboring terrorists. <sighs> Good to hear Bruce McGill is the dick. Yeah. <laughs> He's always a chief of staff, but what kind? Who cares? The best thing I could say about Vantage Point is that it has the grace to get in and out of our faces in 90 minutes. Yes. 
unsurprisingly, this movie occasioned a series of obligatory Praetoritio-esque, we're not really comparing this movie to Rashomon because Rashomon is, you know, good, comps in contemporary reviews, including a review by Manola Dargis for The Times in which she rewrote her lead very slightly for each new paragraph, a performative conceit that quickly grows irritating and is therefore a flawless reflection of the experience of watching the film. <laughs> You soon begin grumbling, just tell us what you thought in the review. But in the case of the movie, it's just tell us who did it. Alas, viewers who have seen movies before figure out who the hub of the bad guy wheel is well ahead of the characters, then have to sit through a non-credible car chase culminating in a goofy Ziwataneo ending frame for Quaid and President William Hurt. Or is he? He is. We think. Who cares? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I, I will say that Probably 80% of my notes are just me arguing with the movie in the first 10 minutes and then <laughs> kind of giving up. Like, uh, for instance, we get at the beginning of this important anti-terrorism summit in the seven years since 9-11, over 4,500 people have been killed by acts of terrorism. And at this point in time, I'm like, isn't that like 15,000 people left fewer than were killed by just defunding American healthcare in the Trump administration? You know, yeah. Just these... These yeah. little things where I'm like, can we have some perspective on how serious this is now that it is no longer, you know, it, I mean, even 2008 wasn't the immediate aftermath. I remember these sorts of movies already being very wearying by that time. Yeah. But as for what the movie is attempting to do itself, like, I, I don't think you missed anything other than like, it's kind of fun to see William Hurt get shot a lot. I mean, I don't have anything against William Hurt, Uh huh. but a movie who that has as its core premise, like, you're going to see this guy take like 40 bullets. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Every single time. And I did manage to grab a few of these for the visual aids. But uh, every time he's doing that air flappy guy outside the car wash blocking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> extremely satisfying that he's like, well, the check cleared. So fuck it. And he's just f <laughs> fluffing around all Twyla. Twyla. It's like, sure, make your own fun. I found this just really sort of frustrating because the clip I just played is sort of an exemplar of the very sort of modular, blocky, the foundation foundation, mm -hmm. like placeholder issues that the movie is using to set up the premise. So that's fine. But if you're going to do that, like everyone's here to see the premise, which is different vantage points, drink, on the same assassination attempt. But then you have to play it out to its logical conclusion and you have to stick the landing and it starts dicking up the landing like immediately, like on the second run through. It's not the same. There's little tweaks and it doesn't seem intentional. It just seems lazy and first drafty. Was that also your experience of this? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely noticed that in some places where you'd see the different perspective, there were differences in execution that you couldn't put down to a character's perception. It was just like, well, you didn't block this the same. So you're making me go, well, is that mm -hmm. the point or are you just fucking up? Yes, exactly. And then also like, you know, it really does like, I, I like the idea. I like the fact that they wanted to try something a little structurally different. You mm -hmm. know, it's an action movie. Good on you. But that early repetition really does sap some of the momentum of the movie like we don't actually get into it feeling like an action movie until we've sort of been exhausted by the premise like there isn't something that's 
necessarily building because the intensity and in, in the reveal each time is so close to being the same. I'm just sort of tired by the time you get going. And then it's like, well, you're trying to do a Frankenheimer level car chase and what is effectively like 10 blocks of Salamanca. Right. Which is not enough. Yeah. Well, and it's it's very clear that whoever choreographed this chase just did this sort of Frogger algorithm with the other cars so that they were alternating conveniently. And as sometimes happens in not that tense car chases in movies, everyone's kind of getting out of the way. Like, have has anyone in the room ever driven in Europe anywhere? Because, eh-eh, like, so, so many guys on Vespas perished in the real-life version <laughs> of this. Just, it's like one long grease spot, this, this back alley. But I was sort of with you. I respected the attempt to do something different but then i think that's where they felt the effort should stop in terms of thinking stuff through and then of course the secret service aspect of it is i don't know like very predictable like he took a bullet for either the president or his his double and he's taking some pills and sighing and his colleagues are not sure that he's ready. And I, I just kind of felt like I don't necessarily think that we need to do every cliche in this part of the story. Mm-hmm. Quaid seemed to agree with me. Here's a clip. It's before he lost it. Come on. Guy had a nervous breakdown. Six months ago. He's not that guy anymore. Give him a break. What are the chances he freaks out the minute we walk? I put it at 50-50. <laughs> doing this yeah let's let's do it let's get to the literal fireworks factory in the plaza thank you dennis quaid i don't have much else on this we'll link some other reviews in the in the show notes but basically like they had this idea and then they didn't game it out quite well enough for it to hold my interest i do appreciate that it was an hour and a half but i'm all set with this one you yeah, I mean, I, I do have a quibble with the movie for basically, I think, uh, adding fuel to the fire of the QAnon belief that everybody they dislike is a clone. So, like, having the presidential <laughs> double just doesn't help me right now. Um, uh, the title is so inert. I was like, I wrote down Vantage Point, you know, but I, I wrote it down incorrectly. I didn't get Vantage Point initially because I just started filling it in with other things like, you know, Vista Location or Scenic <laughs> Spot or Sightline or overlook hotel rest area <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alhambra. Mm-hmm. but along with what you were saying like it, it definitely feels like they had this good idea and like you said they didn't game out the rest and like i wish you know you should have written a taut action thriller and then fucked around with the linearity of it as it was it kind of feels like they went hey what if we did that and then somebody said yeah great go for it and they just sort of wrote down what first came to them after that because the premise was going to be enough to get us over the hump and it doesn't Well, and it's, I mean, I don't know what the budget was, but I don't think you can excuse some of this shortcutting with that. Like, I I think they had a proper budget to try to do what they wanted to do, and they didn't focus on the important bits. So mostly because this could have been pretty interesting and then aggressively was not. And also don't cast Matthew Fox as a bad guy. He can't do it. Like, he's not a bad actor, but it's just not 
It's not going to work. I think of him as like such a weasel that I was like, oh, it's him. He's the bad guy. Like instantly. I was just like, fuck you. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair. Um, So you're not going to grade on that curve, but I gave this a four. Oh, no, that's that's actually where I was, too. Uh, For A, the brevity and B, for trying something different. And for, you know, like it might have been mediocre, but it's a serviceable action movie. I mean, I can sit here and go. You didn't do that, that right. You didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. But and like I said earlier, like there was a whole host uh, in the preceding seven years when 4,500 people were killed. There was a whole host of movies just like this where it's like Muslim al-Ibn Islam is going to attack us here. We have to blow everything up to stop him. Okay. Yeah. And almost every contemporary review was like, this was a supersized 24 episode that was even worse and, you know, even worse than 24. I was like, well, it was slightly less jingoistic than 24, but only slightly. I didn't see an American torture anybody, so I'll yeah, get no, that. Yeah, no towels down throats, so that was worth an extra half point. But then that immediately got knocked off because they didn't know how to use um, Holt McElhaney or James LaGrosse, really. I have to wonder how many takes it took for him to get... <laughs> We've been using body double sits Reagan out without laughing because <laughs> he really seemed like he was on the brink of giggling. And I don't blame him. Yeah, they just used a wax statue for Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> or that um, that puppet from the Genesis video. Oh, the spitting image? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I ever remember spitting image? Every time I forget that. Uh, all right. So it's a four from each of us. Four? Yes. All right. Moving on to the quadiness of this, the Quaid Qua Quaid. He is um, in a thankless position, I would say, and sometimes isn't really able to <laughs> dig himself out of the hole that the script has put him in with this extremely anodyne dialogue that appears to have been shaken out of a boggle <laughs> cup. <laughs> Clip four. God damn you! You used me! I trusted you, you son of a bitch! Who's got POTUS? You're too late, Tom. Why the fuck did you do this? You can't stop us. I mean, there's that sort of gargling glass intensity delivery that I have a feeling is going to be the bulk of Quaid's acting thespionics from this point forward in our uh, in our travels with mm. him but i also kind of think like this is good casting mm-hmm. of him i don't feel like we get a lot of car chases with this guy no we had a train chase at some point a couple seasons ago i think but that feels like an oversight like why haven't we seen more car chases and then he peels off the um stunt windshield and climbs out through the front of the car i was like okay i buy this why weren't we getting more of this and a little less you have the wrong ass to be playing an aging quarterback yeah i i I don't know i i was enjoying it once it committed to like okay now we're just an action movie like the the initial the rashomon-esque like trauma stuff not so good but once it was just like he is in pursuit yeah this was a perfectly good use of dennis quaid and and you know, maybe it was misused not to have done this sooner. I think he was misserved, though, in his direction 
in those opening scenes where they're all up on the dais before William Hurt takes another two to the chest, where <laughs> he's in that kind of like grouchy, hunchy, leaning forward Quaid pose that I associate oh, with yes. like yes. beaten down dad Quaid rather than shoulders back upright you know, the way I would associate a secret service officer being. Now, I understand he's gone through trauma and he's on uh, antidepressants and et cetera, but that's not going to change like his body posture when he does his job, which at this point is going to be a reflex. And so like there is a disconnect between like, why are we doing schlubby secret service Quaid? And then suddenly he's, you know, Jack Ryan. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I think like, Somebody, you know, I, the the director needed to be like, no, more robust, more like stand like you're a socialist realist statue, you know, of like a worker with a sledgehammer. Come on, yeah. you're in the Secret Service. And I, I don't know if, if Quaid was defaulting to that because he's done so much of it or if maybe that was just bad direction, but it just doesn't work. I agree. And that other Quaid, that sort of hip cocked hand on the small of the back, standing like you're not wearing underwear is a way of life. Blocking. <laughs> like if you average that and the hunchy stuff that you're talking about, which I totally agree, then you would probably get you would probably land somewhere in the middle where it's like, OK, mm. is that is this a former Marine who is now Secret Service? No, not exactly. But at least he has his chest out and there's some confidence to it. Mm. This just seems like he has a hernia bandage and it's too small, which he might have, you know, for like action Quaid. He's now in his 50s, I think, by this time. So who knows? Who knows what's going on under the under the bulletproof vest? But with that said, I mean, it's not especially quady in terms of the like wolfy, dilfy grin. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily convincing in terms of the blocking, like you said. And the dialogue is just like a poetry magnet for action movies on the fridge and in, in crafty. But he's, I think he's built for this. Like if this is your sort of, you know, he's your third choice star for your first draft action movie. So I don't know how quaity he is, but I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was one of the better and better used parts of this. So I gave him a seven. Is that crazy? I, I was going through the, I was on the horns of the same dilemma that you were where I feel like the things that are not working in this are not his fault. Uh, and that the things that are working in this are things that clearly he's doing well. And as right. you said, you know, there isn't a sexual or rascally component here. So it's like, well, I don't want to knock the guy, despite the fact that we're not really hitting any of our Quaid rubrics, but as like a Quaid work, I was stuck between, do I want to do five? Do I want to do six? Mm. And I think, you know, I, I was watching it. I mean, not just for this. I mean, obviously I was watching it for him because we're doing this. Right. But I caught myself at some point, like, I'm only watching this to see what Dennis Quaid does. For as good as Forrest Whitaker is, like, that's just a, a really absurd character and circumstance. I did not need to know what happened with him and the uh, the girl that was seven or eight and clearly did not understand traffic. So I was yeah. compelled by, by Quaid. So, like, I mean, given your generosity in this, I feel more comfortable going with a six. Mm, okay. I think you're probably closer to the truth of it, but he really did end up carrying this movie. And a uh, little trivia, apparently Forrest Whitaker tried out for a different role, but they decided to give him this one. And I'm like, all right, but which role? Yeah. Was he Quaid? 
Was he the chief of staff? Was he the eight-year-old girl? (laughs) Where does he go if he's not where he is? And, you know, what a waste of that guy, but... He has an amazing range. I'm going to say the woman Moroccan terrorist. Yes. <laughs> he he was the ambulance. <laughs> but he'd lost too much weight. And they're like, well, <laughs> we, could, we could make you a Toyota Yaris, but we also have this role. How do you feel about that one? Yaris. Yaris. <laughs> is, that, is that not how it's pronounced? No, no. I <laughs> or is like, no one supposed up. to even know what a Yaris is anymore? <laughs> I think I think it was that and then well as soon as you like protested I, I was trying to think of a follow up joke now I'm thinking of David Hyde Pierce as uh, Niles Crane saying Yaris Yaris but... <laughs> <laughs> well I'm gonna go adopt an Italian greyhound on that note um, unless you have anything else on vantage point no I'm just gonna call home and tell my family I survived the bombing mm, okay. Um, that should fix all the problems that remained off screen, thankfully. Yeah, we were going through a bit where, you know, we started out, we had a really attack heavy uh, courtship and honeymoon. Obviously, we went to a disaster for that. But we really started to grow apart as fewer and fewer bombings were occurring. Mm, well, <laughs> then this was kismet. Next time on Clade in Full, The Express. In the meantime, commandeer Ford Astra and check out our show notes and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid and Full Pod. And there's even more content at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Quaid and Full. Quaid and Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Put down that soft serve cone carefully. We're not buying you another one. And go sign up wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review Quaid and Full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Not everyone loves us, Rex. Why don't you leave the punditry to someone who's paid to have an opinion?